0: Rob, thank you so much for coming over on such short notice, but like, dude, I really need you here tonight. You're welcome. But
1: I mean, I, I don't get it. Why you need me here? Like what's going on now?
0: So like, okay, you gotta, you gotta think back to when we were little. Do you remember like we had those like night terrors and like, I swear something like took me for a little bit and they brought me back, but like something freaky went on and I'm telling you that's happening all over again. You gotta believe me.
1: I barely remember it. Like, I remember being like a hospital bed and stuff. Uh, but most of it's kind of a blur, actually. I got to be honest with you.
0: No, I'm telling you, there's something in the dark. That's why I got like all these candles lit and we've been ha- having power outages. And I just there's something in the dark, my friend. I know I sound crazy, but it's like after me. And I'm afraid it might be after you, too. OK. Um,
1: let go. I mean, I- I'm not sure what to say, really, uh, but... You know I'm here for you, dude.
0: Yeah, I've I've just so I've got this this like mark, this like little puncture wound thing, and like I just want you to take a look at it. It's Oh it's what? Um It's just it's dude, just on my butt. Dude, I, I really don't want to look at your butt. I you don't have to look at the whole thing. Just it's like right on my little cheek here. Just do you see what I'm saying? Like it, there's something weird with it. It feels like there's something inside of it. You're yeah, your skin is kind of pulsating there. What? Yeah, it feels odd. And I and sometimes I feel like there's things underneath the bed. Like, just look under the bed and just make sure there's nothing underneath the bed. This is all so weird, Rob.
1: Okay, let, let me check here. Um,
0: yeah, don't open that. You don't have to look in that.
1: Oh. Yeah, uh, just box of yeah. dildos. Um, okay. Yeah. Just put that back. What's in the, What's in this bag? Here?
0: Oh, I got his cheesy garlic bread. Oh, more cheesy garlic bread. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there I, I knew you'd come over. You never let me down. Yeah. But I'm telling you, there's something like out to get me. I, there's something out to get me, Rob. Dude, you got to
1: stop picking at that. It's going to get worse. It's not going to heal. Just,
0: there's something in it. It's driving me crazy. Oh, uh, wait. Mark, is yeah. there a baby in your apartment? Yes. Do you hear it? It's crying. That—that's another sign. Whenever that baby cries, there's that thing is coming. It's like a like an alarm.
1: Okay, that's a lot to unpack. But first of all, I want to know,
0: like, how did you get a baby? In... Oh, you can find anything on Amazon. Okay. And um, I got free shipping because I'm a Prime member. All right, I see. Is it getting windy or outside? Yeah. What? Oh, Rob. Rob? Ah! Mark?
2: I'm scared. It's just thunder, Billy. But, Mom. But what? They come for me when it's dark. Honey, nobody is coming for you. I'll leave the door open a crack, okay? <laughs>
1: Hello? Billy, what's wrong? I'll come and meet you.
2: I don't, I don't think we should stay here. Why not? You remember those night terrors that we used to have?
1: What, when we were kids? It's just a power surge from the storm. No, it's not. You had night terrors as a kid, right? Well, we're wondering if... what? If you've had any recent
2: night terrors. Us too. I've been studying Billy's diary now. Don't you think it's possible that something that scared us as kids has come back to collect us? Listen to me. You hear a baby crying, you hear a kid crying, you keep moving, okay? Children can sense them. It's your warning.
1: They grabbed me in my apartment. They tried to get me.
0: Drink this. Okay, take a few deep breaths. You'll be asleep soon.
1: I'm not gonna go to sleep.
0: Honey, you need to go to sleep.
1: I can't go to sleep!
0: all you midnight mass creature casters we totally appreciate you rejoining us again make sure the lights are on because we're going to be covering they from 2002 i am mark and this was my ever awesome co-host rob's pick
1: yes i picked this one because this is a movie that uh believe it or not 20 years ago when i had seen this thing it uh it still terrified me. Um, But to be fair, I I really was in kind of a uh, anxious place at the time. I was dealing with a lot of uh, generalized anxiety. And so it's like everything scared me at that time.
0: Not the Golden Girls again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm sure I could find something scary about the Golden Girls, too.
0: Oh, heck yeah. Um, So. The film actually has two endings Depending on what you watch, one is one hour and 29 minutes or one hour and 24 minutes. It's rated PG-13. Wes Craven was an executive producer, so they slapped his name on this and ran with it. It was really just a way to get people's butts in the seats because he really had nothing else to do with this. Mm -hmm. Um, Our director is Robert Harmon, and he brought us the uh, Hitcher from 1986 starring Rutger Hauer, which that was the one that I think really made me fall in love with Rutger Hauer. Uh, our lead is Julia. She is a sci- uh, studying to be a psychiatrist. Um, two things that I would recommend watching from her is My Little Eye from 2002 and then Dead Silence, which was a James Wan film from 2007, which I would not mind covering that. Um, if I was going to recast anyone in this movie, I would recast her with Mia Farrow. Um, do you know the actress, Rob, Mia Farrow?
1: I do. I'm trying to bring up a picture in my mind, but I, I do know so who she, you're talking about.
0: Yeah, so she was married to Woody Allen for a while. She was Rosemary and Rosemary's Baby. Um, she was in The Haunting of Julia. But she like As I was watching this last night, I'm like, uh, Laura uh, totally reminds me of Mia Farrow. Anyway, hmm. now she has a boyfriend in the film who is Paul, and he's played by Mark uh, Bluecast.
1: And he'll uh, forever be known as Riley to me because as soon as I saw him... I was like, "That's Riley from Buffy the Vampire Slayer."
0: <laughs> so he was on from 1999 to 2002. Correct. Now, speaking of Buffy, if I was going to recast this gentleman, he would be the actor that played Angel, David Boreanaz. Buran- Boreanaz. Borianas. Yes, to me, that's who I would you think would be so. Mia huh? Farrell, and yeah, it would be those two. But anyway, <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> Basically, the rest of the cast, and we all spoil everything on here, is the rest of the cast is the cursed kids grown up. So the next cursed kid would be Billy. And he was a childhood friend of Julia's. And that is John uh, Abrahams. Yeah. And he was in like three films I would mention. He was in this scary movie with uh, Anna Ferris from 2000. And Anna, if you're listening, I know I'm gay, but I would marry you in a heartbeat because I love her. Um, he was in the house of wax from 2005, which everyone poo-pooed on, but I loved immediately. And I don't care if Paris Hilton's in it. I love that remake. And he was also in Hitchcock, um, a biopic about Alfred Hitchcock from 2012, which has Scarlett Johansson, who I am also gay, but I would marry her too. Um, <laughs> not just because she had a thing with Ryan Reynolds. I would not use my marriage with her to find out sex secrets about Ryan Reynolds. Sure. You not would. Once. Yeah, but I probably would. Um, And then so in the film, we also have Sam, who was uh, a college buddy of Billy. We'll get more into that. But that's Ethan Embry. He's done a lot of cool horror things. He was in Disturbing Behavior from 98. He was in Vacancy with the Cute Owen from 2007. He was in The Guest from 2014. He was in Night of the Wolf from 2014. And he was in The Devil's Candy from 2015. Have you seen The Devil's Candy, Rob?
1: No, but I have seen Disturbing Behavior, and I was trying to remember why this guy looked so familiar, so thank you.
0: Okay, so I I want to put The Devil's Candy on your radar. I think you would totally get a, a, a lot of enjoyment out of this film. So I want you to seek out The Devil's Candy, okay. um, especially since you're into, like, guitars. I, I want you to see The Devil's Candy.
1: Okay, so I'll look that okay. up.
0: Yes. So the next uh, person is Terry, who's basically involved with Sam. And I'm going to butcher this woman's name, even though it's amazing. Um, I believe it's Dogmara. And then the last one I, I'm not even going to attempt it. It's D-O-M-I-N-C-Z-Y-K. Two films I'd recommend from her. They're neither one horror, but I like both of them. One is Kenzie from 2004, and the other one is Running With Scissors from 2006. The last person I want to mention is Dr. Booth. And that's Jay, I believe it's Brazil, B-R-A-Z-E-A-U. A couple of horror things. He was in the It's TV miniseries from 1990. Um, he also did Horns from 2013 and then Antlers from 2021 more recently. He did a couple other things, but just so we can keep time going here. Those are just things I want to mention by well, him. Well,
1: what so I remember from him is... Um, I don't know why I remember this, but because he was- Wait, only can I in- guess?
0: Can I guess? Okay, go ahead. Is it House of the Dead? No. Okay, go ahead.
1: Uh, it's uh, actually Stargate SG-1. He was only- Oh, on- I would have never went there. Okay. <laughs> he was only in one episode of Stargate SG-1, um, but
0: it was- Oh, he was also in Supernatural. Okay. He did loads of TV shows. Like, yeah. I-, I had a lot of things written down, but in order of time, I didn't cover everything, but he did lots of TV shows.
2: Yeah. Lots and okay.
0: lots. Oh, and yes.
1: Uh, the little, the little girl that we'll see later on is, uh, she's in a lot of the early two thousands movies. Her name is Jodelle Furland.
0: Um, are we talking about Sarah?
1: Uh, yes, Sarah. Yes, that's correct. All right. Um, yeah, she's in silent Hill, the original silent Hill movie. Uh, it's one of my favorite shows, dark matter where she's actually a teenager there, but yeah, she's a spunky little teenager. Um, And also, she was in a couple episodes of Stargate Atlantis. I think.
0: Oh, interesting. Oh, really quick. I'm glad you said that because the actor that plays Doctor Booth was also in Disturbing Behavior as well. Oh wow! Yeah, don't you dare ask me who he was because I'll (laughs) clutch this (laughs) microphone and bitch (laughs) slap you and climb back with the (laughs) broadcast. So who was he? There you go. Here we go, folks. It's (laughs) on. so our film opens with a dark and stormy night. We have a little boy in bed and he's scared and his name is Billy, um, which, you know, later on we'll see grown Billy. Um, and he's very upset and he's calling for his mother who's, you know, comes in and checks on him. And we've got your, your closet door open just to crack and everything. And it's windy and rainy outside and, Mom comforts him, but she's like, you know, I can't, you know, stay in here and you can't sleep with us. I'm going to head back downstairs with your dad because he's already got his pants down around his ankles and we were busy. (laughs) Um, So she leaves him and she's like, you know, just put your, you know, cover up over your head because every child knows that that will protect you from everything in the world as long as you can't see it. Yep. That's Um, the
1: protection mechanism.
0: Exactly. So. A couple of cool things happen here, I feel. Number one. The rain on the window pane starts behaving; uh it defies gravity the way it starts moving. Yeah, the,
1: it looks like the rain. I called it rain veins because it, it. Yeah, looks, it's
0: really pretty cool. Yeah, it's a very cool effect. Um, and then there's something in the closet that's sort of taking shape.
1: Yeah, and is this time like he, he's got a bunch of lights in his room and stuff, and it's casting a lot of shadows. And mm-hmm. I think the lights start to, <clears throat> the lights start to give out.
0: Yeah. Cause he, yeah, the lights start to give out and he's also got his little flashlight, which gives, goes out as well. Oh yeah. yeah. Basically puts, throws the whole bedroom into darkness and we'll later find out that whatever is haunting Billy, uh, if there's no light around, then it can attack. If there's any light whatsoever, it can't. So mm-hmm. the, Creature from the closet grabs Billy and pulls him underneath the bed. Yeah. Which is weird.
1: Cause like you, for a moment you thought like he was going to be all right that It was all his imagination. And when, as soon as he pulls the covers off of his head, it's just like, Pew! he gets sucked under the bed and pulled exactly. into like whatever yeah. dark dimension that was.
0: Yes. Now this movie, um, I feel it relies a lot on jump scares. Um, yeah. And
1: atmosphere too.
0: CGI characters and noises. Yeah. The 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 creatures make gurgling kind of noises and kind of like squishy noises when they're around.
1: Yeah, is it like I couldn't quite place the noise, so I just call it like wet clicks.
0: So I that sounds like a (laughs) like a really bad, like all girl, maybe even lesbian punk band.
1: The wet clicks.
0: Yeah, and it'd be spelled like C L I Q U E S. Oh, but shit. anyway, um, the bean actually, clams. Yeah, I actually listened to this with the subtitles on, and so they refer to it as gurgling noise or squishy noise. Oh, okay, so that's where I'm going with. Um, so now it's 19 years later, and we have Julia, our main character, and she is a, a psychiatrist. She wants to be a psychiatrist, she's in her uh Later in her years of study. And she has a boyfriend named, I'm going to say Billy, but it's not. I want to say Billy. It's Paul. And so Julia is Laura Regan, who we just talked about, and Mark uh, Lucas from Buffy fame. And I'm just going to call him Riley because I I cannot see him being Paul. (laughs) uh And so you have to remember that this movie is 2002. Because she's still got an answering machine, and they're actually like taunting her on the answering machine about not even having email yet, which yeah. <laughs> I thought was really quite funny anyway, so Julia arrives home, and you know through the messages we you know um kind of hear that she's been working on her master's and everything and so at the bar, uh her boyfriend Paul has talked her into meeting you know with him because she's so you know busy getting ready for her her um meeting with the professors about her. Thesis, uh, but he's talked her into coming out, and we find out that um, Paul thinks that um, that uh, Julia is overbearing like her mother, and she's moody but she's passionate and driven. And she feels that Paul's hard working, honest, and empathetic. Uh, and then they go to play this little game of pool and everything, and she wins. And um, later, his apartment we find out he's got two roomies who are useless because they don't can't hold down a job, and they're just basically like couch potatoes, a couple of freeloaders. I know. Um I also kind of want the movie where it's just the three of them and for some reason it's so hot they don't wear pants. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't get that movie. But we do get on the TV set that there's uh the city's been like uh cursed with rolling blackouts and everything, which is going to force the city into a lot of bouts of just sheer darkness.
1: And I wonder do they live do they live
0: someplace where
1: it's raining all the time too because it seems to always be raining there.
0: Well, I wonder if it's, do they tell us? I'm wondering if it's like Seattle is supposed to be something like that, maybe where it is kind of like the weather's kind of bad. Maybe. I don't think they let us know like the location. Yeah, I don't think they do either. Um, But of course, at this point in time, the bad weather would make sense with the rolling blackouts. They just would kind of go hand in hand, I guess. Or does the creatures have something to do with that? I wonder.
1: Right. Maybe like, you know, who? who's to say that just like the four of them were the only children who were marked? And um, mm-hmm. maybe exactly. they're just collecting everybody. You know? Right. Who knows? Who knows?
0: Um, this movie, uh, I will say this right now, if you're not good with ambiguity, this is going to frustrate the heck out of you. Um, oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> the writer of this is credited as Brendan Hood. But if you delve into like the... Background of the film, it actually went through, I believe, like ten other screenplay writers.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to the get original, the original was nothing like this. It was um, the group of four college grads who discovered the Earth is run by a race of organic machines, which allow the human race to exist, so they can kill them and harvest their corpses for spare parts.
0: Exactly right. Which is really not at all what we're getting here. We do no. have four cop. For kind of college-aged students.
1: <laughs> this is more um, like a, a Wes Craven. Like, I could see Wes Craven writing something like this because he deals with, like, a lot of nightmares and things like that.
0: I Well, again, I will state this. He had nothing to do with this film other than executive producing it. Like, he had nothing to do with this. I do feel like, to me, there are bits and pieces that feel... Uh, very, very loosely akin to a Nightmare on Elm Street.
1: Yes, yes. especially when, um, like the sleepwalking thing, and um, yeah, just
0: there's just little, little tiny parts. Now, I'm not saying, folks, if you're fans of Nightmare on Elm Street, you must see this because it's, it's not even that strong of a connection. No, there's just little parts. It's yeah.
1: like if you've seen it, if you've seen Nightmare on Elm Street quite a few times, you'll probably say, oh, hey, that, that's very similar to this.
0: Yes. And I most definitely want to point out Wes Craven had nothing to do with this. It was just a way to get butts in seats by putting his name <laughs> on this. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, as it would be, uh, it they have to go to their little separate room just to even get any time alone because he's got two other roommates. Um, and they're kind of getting acquainted, you know, hot and heavy, but the, they're interrupted by a phone call. It's not uh, Dr. Crowley. But it's actually her friend, Billy, who she's known since she was five years old. (laughs) Apparently, he's done this to them before. So, you know, (laughs) Paul's kind of used to this, but he doesn't really like it. But he puts up with it because he's a good guy. And so she says she can't see him, but he eventually talks her into meeting her at a diner in half an hour. So she heads over to the diner and Billy's there. He looks pretty bad. And, of course, Billy is um, the actor that I mentioned earlier. Uh, Oh, uh, John Abrams. So he's there looking kind of disheveled and like, he's not in the best of health. Hasn't been sleeping that kind of thing. And he's trying to convince her that, um, like they, they are back again and everything. Yeah. And, um, there's like a baby in a booth over that's crying and everything. And, um, He's saying that they, they can affect the lights. They hide in the dark, and he you know he was going back to like Edgar Allan Poe must have saw them too because his writings kind of like lead you to believe that. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's trying to comfort him and everything, but he's just becoming more agitated. Um, yeah, and, and he says, "Listen, like
1: babies are the perfect alarm system. Listen, if you hear right. a baby crying, like get the hell out of there."
0: Exactly. Well, apparently she's not really kind of understanding to the depth this person's upset because he just pulls a gun out and shoots himself right there in the, uh, diner. Mm -hmm. PTSD incoming. Yeah. Which I automatically would turn to the waitress and be like, is my check covered? Then it's free. Check, please. Yeah. I'm like, it should be free if I have to witness a suicide anyway. So Julia flees. She has back to her apartment and, um, you know, of course, Paul, the, the, good boyfriend he is. He's there, you know, comforting tucks her in. It's raining outside thundering. Uh, he turns out to, to leave her and everything. And, um, we see that there's a little closet door in her bedroom. and It's a jar and she gets up to close it. And we see Paul on the uh, couch and he's got his headphones on. Um, and then she kind of bolts up awake and, uh, there's that gurgling noise and she goes to check on Paul. Um, Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The phone, the phone's what awakens her. And there's a gurgling noise on the other line and it goes dead. And then she goes to check on Paul and he's not there. Um, And you hear that like faint baby crying and everything. And then you hear the shower, which I was so excited because I don't even really care for this actor, but I thought at least we'll get male butt. But no, (laughs) there's no one in the shower. Um, And you get that like pipe creaking sound. Yeah. She heads to the sink. Oh man. For my Dario Argento fans, the camera shot like up, like if you were inside the sink drain looking out of the drain up at Julia was a total Dario Argento like nod to, to his uh, cinematography.
1: Yeah. And I think uh, the the movie Terrified does that as well, because if you remember when in the beginning of that movie where the woman is talking about um, she can hear voices coming from the sink.
0: hmm. Right, right, right. Uh, but the actual shot that's a very argent. Like he would do things like uh like the phone, like the old like uh landline phones. He would like have like the shot I got of the receiver and stuff. He always was doing cool shots like that. Anyway, so this like goo stuff like shoots up out of the the sink. It almost reminds me of the goo from uh Amityville horror, the movie. Um, and then she opens the mirror and there's this like strange dimension on the other side of the mirror, yeah. much like in-house. Um and then she touches the goo from the sink and her hand starts like doing this like weird crunch thing where the bones are almost like, breaking oh, yeah, and yeah, it's oh, that's awful. She freaks out. It's almost like a night tear. She starts to scream. Paul comes in and she attacks him at first because she's confused. Like she doesn't really know what's even going on. And, you know, it's almost like she's been sleepwalking and she ends up cracking the mirror in, in the uh, bathroom and everything. I will say this about the film. I think it does a really good job with the effects, even though I would say the majority of them are not practical. I think a lot of them are computer generated. Yeah, I think so. But they're pretty cool. And
1: it's not overdone also. And so like what I was talking about, like the atmosphere, it's like a, it's a very dark and somber kind of film. There's uh there's not a lot of levity to it. And yeah. it's just, um, <clears throat> What would, what, um, like when you're watching it, you get the vibe that it's like it kind of lives in darkness.
0: Exactly. Yes. Exactly. It's very moody. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Um, so after the funeral of Billy, she heads to a wake, and at the wake she meets Sam and Terry, who were friends of Billy's. I believe they met sophomore year of college. Um, and it's. It, Sam kind of makes a crack about, you know, Billy was on Prozac and clearly that didn't work, which kind of doesn't sit right with Julia. So she heads up to the upper level, kind of away from them just to, you know, get some peace and quiet. And then she heads into Billy's bedroom and realizes he's got this like weird shrine of creepiness up there. And that's (laughs) when Terry arrives to apologize for, you know, Sam's behavior. Um, And the couple have moved back about or no, I'm sorry. They reveal that Billy had moved back home about three months ago. In the bedroom, in one of the drawers, Julia spies like there's like a bunch of flashlights and tons of batteries and everything. Um, and did you see and, that
1: uh, lighter collection too?
0: Yes, right, right, right. And um, that's when Ter- Terry, um, played by, uh, I'm going to mutilate this, Dagamara, um, kind of shares that theory of like night terrors and how everyone suffers from night terrors and everything. And um, that's also when Terry reveals that he suffered from night terrors and she and Sam also suffered from night terrors. And that was kind of like a common bond. The three of them had. Yeah. And I think
1: actually she said they only found out later that Sam had sought them out because of the night terrors that they all shared. Like it was a
0: purposeful thing. Exactly. Like it was purposeful on on, uh, not Sam, Billy's part. Yep. Billy had sought Sam and Terry out. So that evening, um, which this is one of my more favorite scenes in the film. I'll be honest with you. It's Julie in her car and she's driving. And at first it's, uh, she's a, a, kind of like alone on this stretch of a road, uh, kind of like surrounded by like thickets and forestry and stuff. Yeah. And her CD starts to skip, um, because boys and girls way back when you could actually play a small compact disc, which contained music on it in your car. <laughs> yes. Um, and what was that song she was listening
1: to? It's like, you are the combination of pearls gathered together, something or other.
0: <laughs> I was like, w- so what is this weirdness? Walt made a comment. He's like, back then, all the music for these types of movies always sounded the same. Like they sounded like CW songs.
1: Oh, really? Okay. And I
0: feel that way. I, I really do feel like they were all very interchangeable. Like, yeah. Anyway, and then so her, the electricity of her, in her car, like, like the, it's like the battery's dying or something. So you see that weird jarring thing cross the road, which I started getting extra vibes from.
1: Oh, totally. I was going to bring that up. I was like, didn't that make you feel like a scene from Extra?
0: Totally. And then all of a sudden it's like up on the windshield. Um, the movie's very wise. They don't really dwell much on the creatures. They show them pretty quick, mm-hmm. which I think is a good thing. So anyway, that causes her to swerve off the road, and now her car just won't start at all. So she decides to climb out and check things out with her flashlight. That's when you get like the creature kind of thing, like laying there off to the side in the like the grass. Yeah. But- and you get the weird creepy noises and everything. And then when she flashes the light on it, it's gone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you get all yeah. those gurgling noises and stuff.
1: That made sense only when I read the like when I was reading some of the trivia and people were, you know, having their, throwing their own theories around. And it's like, okay, so these things can't exist in the light. So it would make sense that it, the creature would not be there when shining the light on it because the, from a, they come from a dimension of darkness. And so therefore, with the light off of it, you can actually see it.
0: Yeah. Right. 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 Which then. <laughs> So that so made sense to me. Started pointing out all different types of light, how they could never ever exist anywhere that was open because there's like reflective light, and <laughs> I started naming all the different types of lights that punch holes in this theory. Oh of shit! Existing unless they were like totally sealed. But anyway, um, so you just have to throw. I mean, it's a horror movie, so you just throw all that you know out the window, anyway. Yeah. So she sees it again, laying there in the grass, and she freaks out. Here's the gurgling noises. And she gets back in the car, and beside her in the passenger seat, is Billy, and he's like Julia, and she freaks the heck out oh, and jumps out and almost gets ground. run over by a big rig semi, yeah, yeah, with the lights, which of course the lights would cause the creatures to back off too, because it's so bright. Mm-hmm. So she gets back in the car and she just takes off um so back at Paul's apartment you hear loud music and the baby crying and she enters to find the three men um basically what would you call it, like a Bukkake party bukaki what- <laughs> a
1: beer Bukkake? yeah
0: <laughs> no they're just drinking beer um and she's upset but then she gets all pissy with Paul because he's been drinking and she just wanted to come there and he would console her and now he's you know upset i mean she's upset because you know, he's had some beers and everything. And she was in an accident. She recounts her what happened, and everything. Um, and then Paul makes that comment, you know, uh, did you hit an alien? That makes her even more pissy and everything. And she gets all testy. And then he's like, hey, you know, cut me some slack because, uh, you know, apparently he's like, it works like he's an ambulance driver or something like that. Yeah, I think he's, a he's a like, medic.
1: yeah,
0: he's like a medic. Yeah. and He's like, you know, cut me some slack. I had to deal with all these like horrible accidents and blah, blah, blah. He's like, so I was just really letting off some steam by having some drinks with my, you know, loser, uh, roommates. (laughs) He's like, look, bitch. (laughs) Right. Right. So back at, uh, Terry, uh, Sam and Terry's place, they are showing Julia's, they're showing Julia, Billy's diary. Um, and some of the quotes he's like, you know, uh, they always lurk in the darkness in the shadow. And he's trying to figure out like, are they an incubus? Is it like a Grendel? Um, it's, uh, is he going insane? Um, is is he having the nightmares of a schizophrenic? Um, but Julia's kind of like not really shocked by this. Um, and they, uh, they're starting to wonder if Julia has been suffering from night terrors lately, um, uh, because both Sam and Terry have as well. Uh, and they're saying that startup after Billy's death, um, Julia just kind of dismisses like what happened to her is, is just a, an occurrence because of the trauma from Billy's death, nothing more. Yeah. Um, Then Terry recounts her own childhood story of her sister dying and drowning in a lake and she witnessed it and then she had night terrors. Uh, Hours later, she was gone and her parents thought maybe she had been kidnapped. They couldn't find her. Then later she was discovered in a doghouse. When her father reached in to retrieve her, she had a knife and she stabbed him in the eye because she thought he was a demon. Um, And she's starting to have these feelings all over again.
1: Yeah, like it gets dark and she becomes five years old all over again.
0: Exactly. So cut to Julia waiting outside the psychiatrist that she saw as a child, uh, Dr. Booth. He welcomes her in. He claims it's been 20 years since they've seen each other. And then she mentioned that she's working on her master's in psychology. He says, you're not looking well. Um, And she says she's not been really sleeping and she's having a reoccurrence of the night terrors. Um, and she kind of fills them in on what's been happening. Um, the doctor feels that's kind of abnormal in adults, um which I claim bullshit on, but anyway, whatever. Um, and that he said it usually just happens with kids with profound emotional trauma. Um, and then we learned that this happened because of Julie uh, early on, this happened to Julie because her dad had committed suicide. Um and then the doctor's like, well, we can always set up a session now, even though she's you know an adult, he would still feels comfortable, you know working with her. So now we're in that dark stairwell and the lights are flickering and Julia descends and she's heading to the storage locker in her uh, basement of where her her apartment is. And we get the shadows moving behind her and the squishy noises. And it kind of draws her attention, but it doesn't keep her from getting the file box and like going to leave the locker. And we get that door creak and then we get that creepy neighbor jump scare. The movie has (laughs) lots of good, well-earned jump scares, I feel. Well-placed, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, so back at Sam's apartment, I guess he's like some sort of artist, even though everything he does is just black with texture. Right. <laughs> um, he's, he's just painting yeah. black textures, yeah. Right. And uh Terry is uh having a drink while she reads her paperback book. And um she's been picking at this like wound on her ankle. It's like a little hole wound kind of thing. Um, and they they're kind of bickering and everything. And so Sam mentions that he's gonna go out to just kind of detox because they've been drinking. Apparently, like all day, they've been day drinking, and so she's going to hang back and read and everything. But she hears some weird noises. Um, so basically, Sam is like in a almost like a loft apartment. Would you agree, Rob?
1: Yeah, I, I I think it would be a loft because it has to have a a service elevator to get up there. Exactly, exactly. Um, kind so of like, uh, like- Brundlefly. <laughs>
0: Right. Oh, good, good. Or like uh flash dance, or basically like any erotic thriller from the 90s, someone <laughs> yeah. lived. Or the 80s. Yeah, plays. flash dance from the 80s. <laughs> yeah. This is pretty much where these people inhabit it. Okay. So she hears these weird noises on the elevator and she goes to investigate. And there's that one cool shot that I really liked where she's been drinking tea from a or whatever. I think she's got tea now to sober up, but or um, the the teacup is actually glass and there's that shot where like breath is on her glass after she sets it down i thought that was a a nice touch um and and so i I think
1: you can see a reflection of one of those things in the in the teapot if i'm not mistaken
0: i I don't doubt you at all that's not the, the movie has some pretty clever like little touches uh to it i think but for some reason, she feels the need to remove the wall vent. And oh, because like she hears it.
1: the she hears the rat trap go off. That's what it was.
0: Yeah, but I still would. I don't know. I would just be like, "We'll let Sam handle that." But anyway, <laughs> so she like removes it and sticks her head and her hand in there with a lighter to look down the vent and everything, where we we get like that view of the like little creature, not little, but like the creature, the darkness creature in the vent and everything.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of hiding out, waiting for
0: uh, waiting for that lighter to go out, I guess. Exactly. But the lighter keeps it at bay. So at Julia's apartment, she's going through the box, and she discovers this VHS tape from, uh, uh, like, May 21st, 1982. And so it's basically from the hospital where she was as a kid, and it just kind of shows her having a night terror. And we get that telephone jump scare, and it's her friend, Kim, uh, who's calling to check in on her. And um, Julia's supposed to be studying, and she says – you know, Kim. You know, call me back later to make sure I'm still awake and studying. That I'm not falling asleep and you know slacking on the job. Um, <clears throat> and then she also has this iconography book, and it's got like the it's a really famous picture of like a, it's like a an artist's depiction of a night terror. So it's like that this woman like sprawled across the bed and like a like demon imp on her chest, oh, representing yeah. like a night terror and everything. Anyway. So there's all sorts of these visual renditions of night terrors and everything. And then she spies her own old drawings that she's made and everything. She There's pictures of her and Billy as kids. And then there's like the doctor's diagnosis notes of her uh, claiming paranoid delusions and emotional difficulties and everything. So in the interim, Terry has decided to leave and go swimming. So we have Terry disrobing down to her swim, her swimsuit. And she takes off her crucifix, which I don't really think that would work when I owed it with these things. Yeah.
1: What kind I of crucifix perfect. was that anyway? That was a weird
0: looking thing. So I think, I don't even know if I can explain this to you, Rob. It's like a craft kit. And, uh, uh, is it called boondoggling? I think that might be what it's called. There are these like plastic strips. Sometimes you do it with leather and it's like a braiding effect. Okay. And I think that's what that was made of. Oh my God. I can't believe I remember the term. I'm pretty sure it's called boondoggling.
1: Oh wow! Oh, so it wasn't even like something she bought. It's probably something that she made.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I I get the impression that her and Sam are both kind of like artsy types. Yeah, they they do look like hipsters from
1: from the early two thousands.
0: Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so yes, I agree with you. Um, yeah, don't think like Jesus on a cross. It was more like handmade. I thought.
1: Yeah, probably. I um, thought it was like maybe because I know she's um. Well, based on her name and everything, she's definitely from a a European kind of culture, and so like maybe it was their cross, but I I highly doubt that.
0: You mean Terry or the actress's name?
1: Well, yes, the actress, but I mean you can you can detect the the accent in her voice. Oh, gotcha. Okay,
0: gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so in the shower, we see that her little ankle wound is not looking so hot. Oh, it's it's, it's oozing. Yeah, it's weepy. Yeah, exactly. Um, so she's basically heading to the pool and behind a glass brick or not what they call it. Glass, glass block, glass block partition. You kind of hear some kids, but you don't see them. So they were like exiting the pool already. And there's one male swimmer who like gets out, leaving her alone. Mm-hmm. The lights go out. You hear the squishy noises and the gurgling and she's getting all freaked out. Now so, I gotta
1: ask, would you, would you, uh, go swimming completely by yourself in a, in a no, dark kind of place like that? Not with clothes on.
0: <laughs> so this scene is if, if they, if the director told me that this was not an homage to Val Luton's cat people, I would call him a liar there. This is totally an homage to uh, Val Luton's cat people. Um, One of the women, same thing. She goes swimming. She's eventually left alone. And then she spoiler alert. She's attacked while she's swimming in the pool. Um, same thing. Same exact thing. I loved it. I thought it was so cool. Anyway, okay. So the thing gets down in the water. Um, and then I wrote down my notes that I fucking hate this because I don't like underwater. Stuff. Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> I was like, Mark's going to have a problem with this part here.
0: Yeah. So she gets the heck out of the pool. And then she realizes that she's locked out of the changing room. And you hear that gurgling noise again and everything. Yeah. So she discovers a second entrance, which uh, leads back to the locker room. Uh, but she meets her fate in the locker room. So we cut back to Julie's apartment. It's morning. She's fallen asleep. She freaks out because she's going to be late for her thesis presentation. So she takes off on her bike. Then she's there with the two professors that her she's presenting to, and she starts to flub things up just because she's nervous. Um the two professors are gonna look that they're not very impressed with her. Um, she asks to step step outside in the hallway. She seems very distraught, and then she's just back at the apartment, which I'm like. Did she not go back in or did she go back in and finish? I I was really unclear on that part.
1: I think, um, from what I saw, I think she just kind of gave up and went home.
0: Okay. Which is really sad. So she, okay. So she gave up now she's in the tub. She's got, you know, her eyes covered and everything. And I love tubs like that. I, I I used to have a house. They had two of them on one in each floor. I love big tubs, but that's got nothing to do with anything. She's got her, her eyes covered and everything. And, you know, Paul's been calling to check to see how things went and everything. Um, and then she gets a, another phone call because she's been kind of like, you know, um, what's the word I want? Like avoiding picking up, you know, not just to like deal with anything. Yeah. She picks the phone up this time because she thinks it's Paul. So she's like, I've avoided him enough. I'm just going to do it. But it's actually Sam on the other end. Um. So he's called her to come back to his place. She arrives. She buzzers, buzzes him through the intercom. She heads up to his place. Of course, there's no one answering, you know, when, once the elevator gets there, she calls, no one answers him. And then all of a sudden he comes like kind of like out from behind his, you know, super black painting. And then he's like, uh, you know, can you feel that something bad is happening? Uh, and then he reveals that Terry was like a no show last night and there. Her stuff is at the locker, but she never picked it up. He pulls out Billy's diary to show her some more things. Um, there's some quotes like, you know, it uh, it only marks the kids who have night terrors. Um, the marks reappear. It's getting worse. Um, And then Billy had pulled something out. They had implanted inside of him.
1: And how come they didn't show what was pulled out? I mean, you could clearly see it wrapped in some kind of gauze inside of the book there, but they never showed that.
0: I, I think they did. I think the gauze was taped there and next to it was that same long, thing that she pulls out later go back if you want to go back and oh. look and I think he taped that in the book as well
1: okay I'll check because I, I thought it was like wrapped in the gauze
0: no the the gauze is there and it's kind of bloody so it looks just like an ink stain but it's taped next to it I'm pretty sure okay yeah I'll check that out okay so um you know they're basically saying that something's coming back to collect us so Sam reveals that he saw Terry's mark and he's got one on his clavicle. So we're back at the psychiatrist's office waiting room, and this is where we see Sarah, the young lady you were talking about that was from Silent Hill, I believe, right? Yep. Okay. And she starts talking to Julia, and uh, it's revealed that Sarah's there because her mother's dead, and you know, at first Sarah thinks that Julia works there, and she says no, she's also a patient, and then she just starts prying into the- Sarah's <laughs> dreams, and uh, Sarah reveals that they come to eat me, and light keeps them away, and yeah. we see that her. Uh, Sarah's arm also has a little mark on it.
1: Yeah, it's like what the hell do they do to mark these people with um like I wonder how they would do that and to create like such an oozing type of wound that nobody really notices.
0: Well, and there's also an implant clearly. They're implanting yeah, something in there yeah. as well. Yeah, the, like a hook sliver type thing. It's disgusting. Yeah. Um so once inside the office, Julia starts to reveal her theories about the marks and everything. And her doctor um, asks about how things uh, go and everything. And, and it's revealed that she failed her just dis- her, She failed her defense thesis. Um, and then he's like, "We'll go ahead and tackle this case." And so she you know, starts, you know, running through the case and everything, and rationally breaks it down. And then you know she reveals that ultimately she feels guilty that her friend is dead. And then Dr. Booth predicts that she'll be an excellent psychi- psychiatrist and they schedule their next appointment. But before she leaves, he makes the comment. Uh, well, if this is fact, then where is your mark? Back at the apartment, we see Paul checking her for the mark. Yep. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, Julie kind of explains why they're doing Then Paul reassures her and gives her a kiss. Back at Sam's apartment, he's working on that your damn painting again. And we hear the creak of the elevator. And then there are, I wrote, wrote down that there are so many candles lit. It's like uh, <laughs> Dracula's. <laughs> he's having a, <laughs> a romantic Carbax evening. Abbey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but clearly he's doing this because of all the rolling blackouts. He's like, this way I'll be covered. Mm-hmm.
1: And didn't it look like it was daylight outside his apartment, though?
0: It did. I thought so, too. But yeah. you get that really weird. OK, so. Hmm. So whenever you're like on a really hot day and you see the pavement and it's like the heat rising from the pavement, you get that weird effect. Yeah. Or the effect of Predator in the movie where he's invisible, but you can see him. Oh, yeah. Like the light being bounced off of something. Yeah. So you get that really fast. And I wasn't quite sure if it was supposed to be something created by the creatures or if it was supposed to be the heat of the candles. But I did. Oh, Make you a know, note of that.
1: you know what I thought it was, um, the creatures, since they can affect things like usually what you were looking at up there that made the, uh, sprinklers come on was I thought it was a gas leak. Um, and you could see oh, the gas okay. escaping
0: or just the heat from all
1: those damn cans. Yeah. Right. It's <laughs> something, But yeah, that the candles got put out by the sprinkler system. Yeah.
0: So the sprinkler. Yeah. And thankfully he had a white t-shirt on. So it was like a wet white t-shirt contest. (laughs) Uh, No. Um, But he does go to look out the hallway um, and he sees that there's a creature in the hall. Yeah. Um, So Sam is trying to get out the windows, but of course he can't open a single one nor get the neighbor next door's attention as well.
1: Yeah. They're watching golden girls. Right. So
0: he, (laughs) What is it? Uh, small Wonder. Oh, small um, wonder, yeah. <laughs> So he tries busting out the window, which he is successful at, but then he just decides, I'm going to opt for the elevator escape. So he, once on the elevator, we get all the gurgling noises and it kind of starts to free fall, but then it stops and it pauses between floors which I automatically assumed he was going to try call, crawling out and then get chopped in half because yeah. that's usually how this plays out. It was like, uh, wait, we're
1: not in final destination. Though.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So the lights flicker some more and then um, it drops again. Then he manages to get out, but between like, so the, the elevator is not quite reached the floor yet. So there's some dark space between the floor of the elevator and the floor of the actual level that he's on. Yeah. And it's pitch black, and so he lights his little, like, uh, lighter to look underneath, and then they grab him and pull him underneath the elevator into the dark.
1: Yeah, and I think that's um, that was actually well played, because the inside of the elevator was light, but also dripping with water, and um, the room he was standing in was also light, but, like, underneath there, it was just... T- complete darkness so they could like use that right as like a portal to pull him i under. concur
0: i concur with you so back at paul's apartment paul and julia are in bed their kissing has clearly been after intercourse um because she's removing the peg um and then we get the <laughs> most gratuitous nude scene for nudity's sake only the room he walks in as she's getting dressed whatever yeah. Um, I don't remember
1: this part, but then I saw it. I was like, wait a minute. Was this in the
0: movie that I saw? Yeah. Yeah. Clearly it was. They probably want like something. Yeah. Anyway, Paul freaks out. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Paul freaks out. And then the couple are heading down the hallway, you know, for her to head home. And he's walking her basically to the hallway. Um, she apologizes for her past behavior and everything. They part ways back at her place. The lights are on. She cracks the window a little bit, turns on the TV. And we're talking more about the power shortage and, uh, you know, everyone's trying to save energy and the rolling black, blackouts. And we see the dark closet with the door ajar again. Yeah. So she apprehensively goes over to check it out. And the light inside is dead. And we hear the creaking noises. And then there's a creature reveal, jump scare. And she flees into the street and bumps into the bald guy, which I don't know if that was me or you. But either way, we scare the (laughs) shit out. That was one of us. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's that dumpster scene where the noises are almost kind of reminiscent of a creature.
1: Yeah. Like there's a lot of tricks with sound in this movie. Yes.
0: It kind of, (laughs) it kind of harkens back to mimic or it mimics mimic with the, the, the way it plays with noise, I believe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So the man, uh, it looked like it would have been a Chinese restaurant the man dumping the trash in the dumpster leads to a restaurant, which she enters and goes into the bathroom.
1: Yep. That big bag of dead cats. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. So in the, Rob said that I did not people. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> direct Director hate mail to Rob. Um, so in the uh, bathroom of the restaurant, she realizes that up in her hairline, which I don't have anymore. Um, she's bleeding. Well, Lo and behold, that's where her mark is. that's why Paul didn't find it because he didn't look in her hair from that hairline she pulls this disgusting it looks like a fish bone, something yeah out of her hairline and didn't it have like this uh jagged fishing hook at the
1: end of it like a- it
0: looked barbed it looked like a barbed bone yeah like it it looked disgusting it it looked horrifying, like painful as all get out like pulling that out of your skull, ooh. Yes. Yes. It looked horrifying. Uh So she's freaked out. She's back at Paul's apartment. She's trying to like get him to understand her rantings and everything. I turned to Walter and said, why, oh, why did you not bring that splinter thing with you? Because that's all the proof you would need. But apparently she did not do that.
1: Right. Yeah. I would have had that in my pocket. But Like, look, this is this yeah. what was in my
0: head. Right. So she's all frantic and she's not really paying close attention to Paul because, you know, with him being a medic, he has access to medications and things. So he's giving her a sedative. Once he reveals what he's done after she's drank it, she freaks out. He's heading into the other room to call for assistance, you know, because she's upset. And he's also under the guise of getting her, you know, a fresh change of clothes like a fool. He leaves her on the couch, giving her time to escape. Mm hmm. So she runs outside. She kind of forces herself to vomit. Um, She's made it to the subway platform. She forces herself to vomit. But it's also, isn't it like 3 a.m. in the morning? It's like super late. And now the subway is closing down. So she is locked down there in the subway system.
1: She is utterly and completely effed in the A.
0: Exactly. So now, much like in, uh, what was it, Uh, brain damage, she's on this... Subway car and the lights are flashing off, on, off, on, off, on like they do. Um, And. The car comes to a stop. The lights inside are systematically going out, you know, like they do in horror movies where it's like click,
2: click, (laughs) click,
0: click. So they're systematically going out and then we see that they're also going out on the tracks as well. So she's outside, she hears the gurgling noises, and then the creatures just attack her from all sides. As the subway, uh, start, the, the subway starts, the car starts up, and the lights come on, and it sends the aliens like fleeing away from the beam. Mm-hmm. But, of course, it departs because it started back up, leaving her alone, trapped down there in the tunnel with these things. Yeah, and that reminded me of Mimic, too. Yes, very much so. So she's found a doorway leading her to a new little like shaft off of the first one she was in. She flees uh down there and she sees this lantern, but of course that goes out and you hear more gurgling noises and um <clears throat> then she's drawn to the sound of an approaching car. She stri- tries to stop it but she's, you know, there's no avail to it and she falls underneath it which it rolls over and then she grabs this like loose pipe um, and luckily the creatures have grabbed her. They're trying to pull her into almost like a large, like drain opening. Yeah. It's so, a pipe. Yeah. Go ahead, Rob. Like,
1: yeah. Pulling her into the pipe and she's saved only by the fact that that pipe that she was holding onto is kind of wedged, you know, over the, over the opening there. So they can't yeah, pull it prevents her completely. Yeah.
0: From dragging her all the way through. Yeah. So of course she drops that immediately as soon as she's saved from that little part. So she sees this ladder leading up to a grate where there is light. She tries climbing up that. But of course, they grab her and pull her back down.
1: Yeah. And now there's a lot more of them at this time, too. It's like, oh,
0: there's a ton of
1: them. Yeah. Like it started off with maybe like two or three. And now there's probably 20.
0: Yeah. So they're kind of attacking her. They're they're pulling her away. She's freaking out. Then between the creatures, it flashes to they are like maintenance workers for the subway system. Yep, and it's flashing back and forth between creature creatures, creatures, and that. And she's slashing at what she thinks are creatures, but she's actually physically hurting the maintenance workers.
1: Yeah, she's really cutting them up.
0: Yeah. So now we're at a hospital, and Paul is expressing his concern to Doctor Booth about what's you know been going on. She's been brought in because she's severely uh, beaten up and she's got a concussion. Julia awakens startled and she's trying to explain everything and they try to settle her down for a rest. And then Paul comforts her and the two men leave the room, the doctor and, and Paul. And then they cut to Julia in bed and she heads towards her hospital room door, but it's locked. And through the little window, she looks out and realizes that she is like basically in a mental facility and she's clearly shaken by this. And then another pair of doors close. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a little, like, it would be like a small, like, hallway between those doors and her her door of her uh, room. And there's just enough to make a little dark passageway. And then we see the creatures attacking her through the little window on her door.
1: Yeah, and the, uh, the doctors hear the glass breaking and the scream.
0: Exactly, forcing or causing the doctor and orderly to come in. And they are very confused because the door was bolted. So, how did she get away? Because there's no Julia to be found. Right. But I would also be asking um, since uh,
1: she, it, like, if she had broken the window on her own, yes, uh-huh. it, keep going, the glass would be out into the hall. Whereas, exactly, the glass was laying in the middle of the room. So, something had exactly. come from the outside.
0: Yes broken its way in. Correct. Exactly. Um, So the doctor goes to check the closet of the room. We see the hangers are ever so slightly swaying there, Mm -hmm. but it's empty to his viewpoint. Right. On the other side, we see Julia is trapped by like this invisible, like kind of like membranish wall thing. Like she can pound on it. It's like, you know, kind of flexible, but she can't get through it. Mm -hmm. And she's on the other dimension, much like she saw from her mirror in her bathroom earlier in the film. Yeah. So we also see further in this dimension realm, there's all these like creature bodies and things and and, in the darkness kind of. Well, by him opening the closet door, the light, you know, coming through is holding all of this at bay. She's begging him not to close the door, but he, of course, just closes it, making it completely dark. And then the creatures attack her.
1: Yeah, no, the, it ends with fading to black, and all you hear is like,
0: you know, that, exactly. that weird sound. Now, there was a second ending, and this is the shorter ending.
1: And I haven't seen that ending, nor, this is the first time, like, when I'm looking at the trivia, that's how I came across that. I was like, oh, there's another ending that I didn't know yes. about. So
0: we had seen both, because the, the the format that I had this on, you could choose your ending, much like the movie Clue. So the second one, Julia comes to in the hospital and looks through the mirror and realizes that the other people on the other side are all people from the movie, but they're actually patients. And she was really just a paranoid schizophrenic. Mm -hmm. So none of this happened.
1: And that ending um, kind of makes me like that's that's a sadder ending than like how this movie ends from the viewpoint that I saw.
0: But if you're watching it and you see that ending, I think that would make more sense to why she didn't. Well, that wouldn't even matter anyway. But I I guess that would make more sense to why she didn't bring that bone thing back to Paul. But that wouldn't matter because Paul is a patient, too. Right. So whatever. Yeah.
1: Um, And then there's a a third alternate ending, which nobody ever got to see, uh, in which Julia convinces the doctors that she's okay, even though she can still see them crawling all over her walls. She goes home to her own bedroom, which is rigged up with dozens of lights and sits with a flashlight in her hands as the camera slowly begins to move down the hallway and the closet door starts to open. It's thought that this ending might have been for test screenings as it doesn't appear to have made it to the theatrical or
0: DVD releases. That's weird because, you know what, in this day and age, even if it was shot for test screenings, it would be somewhere on something you would think, wouldn't you?
1: Maybe like we need like the ultra director's cut version, I guess.
0: Exactly. Exactly. All right. So I feel that we have come to the end of the film.
1: And yeah, we've, we've beaten this horse uh, dead and then undead.
0: Right. So this was your pick, Rob. What did you think of They? It
1: still holds up. Um, the first time I saw it, like I said, it uh, definitely disturbed me. And the second time I saw it, it brought those old feelings back, you know? So the movie kind of does the job. It sets that weird dark atmosphere where there's like things lurking about and you can hear them and, you know, they make these weird noises. Uh, So it's definitely like if you're bothered by that kind of thing, like not bothered to the point that you won't watch it, but a little bit bothered, then you'll definitely get a good scare out
0: of it. I, I agree. So I saw this in the theater and I thought it was shit. (laughs) um i hated this thing so much like i thought it was just so stupid i i truly hated this movie um
1: now i feel bad for making you watch it
0: don't don't do this let me finish (laughs) so i watched it again last night and i was totally taken aback by the jump scares because some of them like really got me. There was one part where I like scribbled across my page because I was writing. and I was Like ah, and I just went like way across my page. It's got some decently earned jump scares. Um, they are CGI, but I think the creatures are quite creepy. Yeah, they are. There's the the uh, filmmaker and everyone involved were smart enough to not dwell on them. So right. that w- and it works to the film's advantage I believe I really do think this the um, less the less you see of them the better yeah I do agree with that now this does not bother me I'm I, I really don't have a problem with ambiguity nothing 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 is explained to you in this film like this is all left to your speculation about what's going on nothing is explained to you I'm okay with that mm-hmm. for some audiences I could see where this would just totally be a deal breaker and you would be pissed off as hell um I think the biggest flaw with this film lies with uh, a stamping Wes Craven's name on it. I think that sets the bar very high. And then what you get is not at all remotely anything that feels like a Wes Craven film. I oh, feel. Yeah. I um, think so too.
1: You're, Cause you're, you go when you see the West Craven name on it, you already have high expectations.
0: And I think that really did it a disservice. I think if this had just been they and everything, I think it for me, I think it would have been a different story. Also, this is a PG-13 movie. If you are a younger person looking for a cool gateway to horror films, this I feel is it. Like if you're having like friends over, if you're having a slumber party. You know, this is creepy as heck. I could totally see where at the right age, this would give kids nightmares. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's creepy. Um, the actors are like in it to win it. You know, no one's like just doing the, the stuff half ass. Mm-hmm. Um, I would totally recommend it to uh, creature feature fans, fans of monster movies. Um Is it silly? Yeah, when you think about it, you could really easily pick it apart. Is it a scary horror movie? Yeah, it's got some really pretty intense things, especially for a PG-13 movie. Like, when you really look at it that way, their target audiences, audiences uh, members, I think they delivered a product that would really uh, appeal to that age demographic.
1: And especially the thing of... um like one of the, one of mankind's oldest things is like an irrational fear of the dark,
0: you know, exactly.
1: there's, cause there could be anything lurking in there. You know, you can't see it, but you can hear stuff.
0: Unless you're sitting next to Walter who starts pointing out all the different ways <laughs> life could be in that room. Um, But yeah, no, it's, it's a really fun, creepy movie. It um, is, yep. Yeah. I, I, uh, I gotta tell you, I'm really kind of glad you made me rewatch this because Again, this is another one of those movies that like I saw it and I'm like, this is garbage. And after watching it, this go around, I'm like, I don't know why I hated it so much. But boy, I did. Um, I will say this, and this is all on me. It has got nothing to do with any thes involved. OK, I'm. this is a Mark thing. I don't particularly care for any of them. And I think that kind of had something to do with it also. Like if you don't connect with them, yeah. it kind of makes it harder to buy into the film, if yeah. that makes sense.
1: Right. There's not a whole lot of character development done. It's like they kind of throw you in, they're like, here's this person, and this person deals with this.
0: Yes, um, but you're being <laughs> you're being way more um kinder. <laughs> I'm being superficial. I'm saying there was no one that I really found like attractive or anything. So oh, like I, there was nothing okay, for me okay. to No, I see what you're saying. I wasn't <laughs> even being that deep. I'm just saying there was no one like I was sort of like, oh, I find that person like attractive or, yeah. you know, I, they, I just there was no one that I really clicked with in this film. I'll tell you that right now. Um so, yeah, I was like watching a bunch of people that I was like, no, nah, you can kill them. <laughs> so, but yeah, I really had fun with this. Again, this feels like virus all over again. I'm really pretty glad that you had me watch this.
1: Interesting. Yep, totally. Because I had no, like, you didn't give me any indication that you had seen this or how you felt about it before. And so it's just like, oh, okay, Mark's okay watching this. And then when you said that, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't want you to know. I really don't want you to know. I'm sometimes I'm so excited about things. I can't hide it, but I really don't want you to know that going into it. I'd really rather that come down the pipeline. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was. And especially this time of year, I'm like, Oh, I hope like, you know, the right kiddos get a hold of this. And they're like, Oh, that was so scary that like, you know, Oh, they gave me nightmares, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Like I yeah, wasn't no, I able was to sleep cool. for a week. Exactly. Yeah. So um, having said that, we are going to be covering next and I'm, I got to admit that we both agreed on this one. Rob was a little bit more excited than me, but it's fine. We're going to be doing Broke Back Mountain. Um, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. Um, one of my favorite George Michael films. Right, right. And we'll both be wearing uh, chaps, uh, of course, without anything underneath. No, we're going to be doing (laughs) Lucio Fulci's Zombie from 1979, which Rob has not seen yet. Right. We're going full Fulci once again. Full Fulci. The full (laughs) Fulci. I love it. (laughs) And um, check your mail, Rob, because I've already sent you a monkey uh, to just kind of sit in the background and make noises while you're watching it.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'll check my mail. You know, sometimes it gets stolen by people. Yeah, he's coming. He's Okay. He, he's uh, just, coming
0: uh, in, in more ways than one. Well, I was going to say, watch your, uh, you know, genitalia and don't make <laughs> eye contact with it because it will go crazy.
1: OK, I'll I'll remember that.
0: But anyway, um, if you want to reach, reach us, um, we are always lurking at Instagram uh, at Midnight Mass Creature Cast. I cover that end of things.
1: Mm-hmm. Or you can contact us through. Oh, I almost gave the wrong email address again. I, it's a good thing I caught myself. <laughs> But yes, that's mmccpod at gmail.com.
0: And as always, from the bottom of our dark little hearts, we thank you for joining us because the more the scarier. That's right. And until next time, stay spooky.